Greetings, everybody out there in Dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning in to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Welcome, listeners, new and old. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the third coast, the Gulf Coast, the coast with the most. My pleasure and privilege to be doing so. Thank you all, listeners, new and old, who have supported me throughout the years, who will continue to support me into the future to come. A great horizon that we're all running towards as fast as we can. The vanishing points. Will we ever catch the sun as it sets? Maybe not, but it is the only way. To stay in the light as darkness descends. Now, for those of you who are um, aware, you know that I have a education, college education, a university education. I'm a great admirer of education. I consider myself highly educated for the American populace, but still not a member of academia or a supporter of academia in the least. In fact, a great critic of academia. Even more so now having been through it for so long. There is no romanticism or rose-colored lenses on my eyes uh, when I see academia or professorships or grants or the inertia of the bureaucracy of parasitizing money ultimately from the taxpayer to create a excuse for the middle class to co-opt the ages of ancient, you know, wisdom and philosophy and science and betterment and culture of all of humanity into vocational schools, fraternities, uh, keg parties, and, you know, uh, husband hunts for the majority of the college-going student body and even the teaching teaching, uh, body as well. Your TAs, your professors, your professor's assistants, adjuncts, all that. Um, Now, I highly encourage everyone to get a college education or at least what equivalence to it never to stop learning you can teach yourself everything you need to know uh, via YouTube etc but you do need to teach yourself and you do need to always learn and always pursue knowledge in a wide spectrum of uh, disciplines and doctrines and never ever go a day without learning but also 
I, I completely agree that universities and schools are not places for intelligent people. They just simply are not. You know, they, they are uh, obsolete and really just kind of simplistic in their performance. You go to a school, which you're paying the money and the privilege to go to, and then selecting classes, which you may or may not get the ability to be enrolled in because there's a competition for the open chairs available. This is really relevant in electives, etc., which really are the heart of the college experience. The, the choosing of electives, the fun classes, the passion classes, while everything else is just, you know, you have to absolutely take uh, a majority of your classes simply because it's the year you have to take them. They're set in front of you, almost set in stone. You have to take math this 104, and then you have to take math 106, etc. cetera. Uh, science, uh, biology, these labs, you need to take this English course and then followed by this British English course and this, this American English course, 20th century. And it's all prerequisite, prerequisite, prerequisite to get your degree, the degree plan. So the university doesn't want to put up your shit. They're training you based on the simple choice you made to choose what major you have, whether or not you succeed um, is up to you. They will pocket the money regardless. But on your personal pride and the ability to you know, respect yourself and, and succeed, um, you know, you keep yourself disciplined enough to succeed. Um, it is simply, at the end of the day, training you to do the basic necessities of a career that will go on to further educate you through experience, and through trade craft, uh, you're not done educating yourself, but you're barely able to perform even the entry-level accounting or engineering or architecture or, um, you know, petroleum sciences or petroleum engineering that you were, like, uh, trained for four years to do. You will realize very fast that your education is nothing. So what the fuck are universities doing nowadays you look at these big buildings you look at these million dollar programs is it all about football and sports no although that's a pretty big uh money laundering aspect to it and i think i kind of gave my my conclusions away it's a huge money laundering operation they make billions and billions of dollars a year for the absolute bare minimum as i've just described and the care and consideration of the student uh, really, they are there to justify their own existence and to provide uh, off-market funding or off-market research um, for private industry and the government industry. Now, private industries are rarer, um, typically because the professors that are on private companies' payrolls have positions simultaneously as professors. Um, so think, uh, you know, the guy is running two jobs, like a mercenary, um, privateer, you know, he's privately employed. He's a contractor consultant, say for engineering, and he'll have a professorship say at Texas A&M university and, um, various class maybe related to that field to give themselves a consistent paycheck within that student organization, uh, Texas A&M University, within that college, that university. 
And then we'll also contract his services, maybe consulting, uh, advising, field surveying, etc. With permission from the school, also making that paycheck on the side while helping out the industry, which he is also studying and learning. And this is not a, uh, a just a need for money or employment, but this is actually, it will help him in the long run because that field experience will go into data that he will use for his studies and proofs as a professor within this academic circle. So it's that level of shit that I'm talking about, where people who are employed by companies are not merely employees, they are experts in their field, experts uh, not, and confident enough within the system that is so privileged and so wealthy and powerful. I mean, like, a professorship at one of these universities at this level for mathematics or physics or engineering or computer sciences or, you know, exactly, like uh, petroleum engineering, for example, um, this is a $300,000 to $500,000 job a year. So we're talking people who are building and accruing massive amounts of wealth uh, by being extremely intelligent and educated on industry level, uh, leading level um, sciences, proofs of theory, uh, procedure, skill, etc., we're not just talking somebody who's teaching a community college while they themselves are hungover and going through a divorce and barely driving a functioning vehicle. We're talking about people who are um, leaders in their field and this academic system. This is why the universities exist. Everything else is just filler to try to hide the fact that these are the real uh, bones of all thriving academic systems. And more so that the heart that keeps these bloated behemoths alive for the centuries that they have been and into the future, just decades and decades of existence, is funding directly from the Pentagon, Department of Homeland Security, the United States federal government, uh, and its various bodies and federal agencies, the military-industrial uh, facil- uh, complex, which is basically a call a, a commercial pentagon in itself, uh, agencies such as the NSA, CIA, etc., with their recruiting and uh, use of the, like, as before mentioned, other disciplines, weaponizing them to fulfill their need for total spectrum research and uh, analysis which they themselves simply do not have the staff or funding for and as I mentioned before the professors will have dual jobs being both uh, private contractors for the military industrial complex and uh, professors teaching classes as a day job throughout the school year Now, Texas specifically is involved with this in a pretty major way. Now, we're not officially high-ranking at all by any, by any published list. Now, mind you, that published lists are, you know, open source intelligence is what I'm using here as well as my personal experience at Texas A&M University from 2005 to 2009, 
uh, seeing for, seeing it what it was in hindsight, but not at the time being able to distinguish the lies. The Corps Cadets' massive amount of cultural and traditional importance, as well as funding and image for the school, a lot of prestige uh, with the alumni, huge uh, training center for military officers, just openly military officers. The militarization of Texas A&M, fucking 100% straight in your face, super obvious. The uh, urban legends, for example, that existed of the Tribeca building, and the Tribeca building was um, known as the Trigun building because it was rumored to be an armory right at the center of uh, the east side of campus that uh, had a rifle, an AR-15, for each student that was enrolled at Texas A&M University. Stockpiled, greased, ready to rock and roll, with an accompanying uh, amount of ammunition. In case of invasion of the United States, because the rumor was that in everyone's acceptance contract for Texas A&M, when you enrolled and you put in all your paperwork, there was a hidden clause that required everyone. Uh, this was in conjunction with your civil service card. And the United States, for my foreign listeners, and for everyone in the United States, uh, I hope you guys remember back to when you were 18 and you went down to the post office or somewhere like a police station and you filled out what they called a civil service card. A civil service card is a card that is required by every United States citizen to be filled out with personal information, uh, such as your social security number, your age, your physical descriptions, etc., uh, and it's submitted for file in case of national emergency. This is not a conspiracy. This is absolutely true. Everyone has to do this. National emergency, such as drafting or conscription, in case of like a war or invasion, or in case of a super disaster that you would be called upon for the civil service. Now, this was under extreme, you know, um, emergency. And has never, ever been used. But it does exist and has existed for well over a century. By the time I filled out mine, when I was 18 in 2005, I was, you know, well aware that it existed. And it was just, you know, it takes five minutes to fill out and submit. So it's not an afterthought. But yes, you have to submit basically your draft card for them. Still, even today in this, in this day and age, the draft is absolutely real. And a possibility thanks to the civil service. Now that the civil service, because you already signed for it, and you joined A&M, conscripted you, or at least uh, you were agreed upon, you were volunteering for, in the case of emergencies, to be drafted into what they, the Corps of Cadets, a Texas A&M Civil Guard, or a Texas A&M Army, or a Texas Army, sorry, not Texas A&M Army, but Texas Army itself, Texas State National Guard, uh, you know, to defend Texas, basically. And they had the military equipment, specifically the AR-15s in the Tribeca building, uh, ready for this. They would rally up everybody, wake them up on in the dorms, tell them to assemble, and then lo- fit them out and load them out to their stations of deployment. That is uh, one of the rumors in urban legends. 
but such a strange urban legend to be having in a college. Like, it's a very militarized atmosphere in college. It's very conservative. More police at Texas A&M University and College Station in Bryan per capita than any other city in Texas, by the way. Any other city, any other town, any other municipality, village, whatever. Uh, more police than any gated community per capita in College Station Bryan. Um, and the facilities of the school itself are pretty advanced. There's a cyclotron, and a cyclotron has uh, its work in hadron colliders and fusion reactors and creating things like uh, plasma. Cyclotron was located there. Uh, on campus, there was a, a massive amount of military industrial research into metallurgies, um, you know, logistic supplies, uh, high technologies, machinery, everything from computer sciences to uh, robotics, uh, and, and then livestock, agriculture, biology, herpeto- uh, herpetology, uh, the study of insects. Um, I think it's entomology. Uh, huge over there. Huge. And all of those have applications in various ways with this deep state super society of, of military industrial society that we have called the USA. And um, everything from veterinary sciences to... Um, you know, the, the, the legal side of things, the, the law schools, the business schools, all of that can apply and does. And the student body was diverse, was absolutely diverse, super international from all over the world. And I know the same as for University of Texas. I know the same as for UTSA, University of San Antonio, and the Texas A&M satellite schools all the way from Galveston to Corpus Christi to Qatar. And I know that UNT, UT North, uh, super MK Ultra PSYOP bullshit there. Uh, and I'll get into it because it's not all about hard discipline. I know what you're thinking right now, right? Like, okay, yeah, we know the government researches uh, hard sciences. How else do you think we know the physics and the engineering potential, wind tunnels, etc., for jets, um, ships, tanks, etc.? We do it the through the universities, through the professor um, government, um, you know, contracting they have. Well, I will read a little bit more into how serious this is and how the scale of it is like the the actual scope of it and hopefully it kind of like widens your eyes a little bit to the truth okay this article is from the National Defense NDIA's Business and Technology Magazine. It was published on May 1st, 2016. Former SOCOM Chief McRaven aims to put Texas on the Pentagon's radar. Even the brightest minds of the Pentagon need all the help they can get as they grapple with increasingly baffling national security dilemmas. The U.S. military, for the first time in decades, faces the prospect of losing its technological edge vis-a-vis emerging powers. The U.S. government at large is also hobbled by a widening trust gap between its leaders and the younger generation. 
These looming complex challenges require fresh thinking and bold leadership, and that puts the burden on the nation's academic institutions to step up their game, says retired Admiral William H. McRaven, a former Navy SEAL and commander of the U.S. Special Operations Command. Now in his second year as Chancellor at the University of Texas System. Second year as Chancellor of the University of Texas System. Told you. The entire university, from its very core and highest leadership positions, is literally at the level of Navy SEAL and Commander of U.S. Special Operations Command, uh, Admiral William H. McRaven running the University of Texas. While Silicon Valley gets all the attention from Washington these days as a beacon of innovation for a government that keeps falling behind the technological curve, institutions in the heartland often are overlooked. McRaven has set a goal to put the university's high-tech capabilities on the map and in the process elevate the profile of academia as a font of knowledge that should be tapped to solve national and global security problems. It is evident to me that Washington and all who address national security can benefit from multiple perspectives. McRaven told National Defense in a statement, Having spent a lifetime in the world of national security, I stay tuned into the chaos in the world. He said, the national security threats confronting us now are so varied, so complex, and so serious that they are called for the brightest available minds to convene and collaborate and search for solutions. UT officials who spoke with National Defense about McRaven's transition from the top echelons of the military's command structure to the head of a major university said he has been careful to avoid the perception that he would militarize the school. The sprawling UT system of 14 semi-autonomous institutions is best known for its medical know-how, and it does have a strong track record of scoring government research contracts, including military projects, some of which date back to World War II. McRaven now wants to elevate the profile of UT and emerging defense-related disciplines like cybersecurity, biodefense, and advanced manufacturing. The Chancellor has been through an interesting journey, said retired Major General Tony Cucolo, a former commander of the Army's 3rd Infantry Division who is now McRaven's top aide. Once again, let me repeat that. Retired Major Major General Tony Cucolo, a former commander of the Army's 3rd Infantry Division who is now McRaven's top aide, as Chancellor of the University of Texas School Systems, which comprise of 14 semi-autonomous institutions best known for medical sciences, with a strong back history, a backstory and history of us getting research contracts and military projects from as far back as World War II, and expanding facilities in disciplines like cybersecurity, biodefense, and advanced manufacturing. That's exactly what I was just saying. Schools themselves are nothing more than branches of the Pentagon, wolves in sheep's skin, and they keep the public appearance of being a student-friendly home of society and cultural elites that will educate and improve the quality of lives as well as aid the global respect and personal dignity 
of the uh, the civilian students that go through their hallowed halls. Men of letters who will lead the world into the future. These are research and development centers for the military-industrial complex and recruiting centers for their academics, their intellectuals, their scientists, and civilian uh, intellectual leaders in that class, right? The, the brainiacs, the nerd casts, the white coats, as well as spies, uh, military leaders, uh, economic hitmen from their business schools, etc., which is why they really encourage recruiting students from the Middle East, Africa, and Asia because they can get cultural information as well as authentic natural-born spies who are endeared to the United States education system but able with their with their knowledge and cultural um, nativeness, you know, locality, to return back to their homelands and serve as perfect spies. Regardless of these homelands are domestic to the United States or not. The Chancellor decided that his role would be much larger than that of the caretaker of the university system. He wants to help the state, which provides most of UT's funding, gain recognition as a hotbed of innovation. He wants to turn Austin into Silicon Valley. Can Texas compete with Silicon Valley? Why not, pondered Kukulo. There's incredible talent down here. We could make a national contribution. Besides Kukulo, there are several other former political appointees, retired general officers, and flag officers on the staff. You don't say. Texas doesn't want to appear to be a military school, but its leaders want to stay close to the pulse of the government. The university has a large office of federal relations in Washington, D.C. That's right. There's a university office, a Texas university, or sorry, a University of Texas office of federal relations currently in Washington, D.C. operating. And it does not want to be perceived as a military school, but it is a military school. As most of its leadership is drawn directly from the war chief colleges. As it seeks to draw attention from its technology chops, Texas is benefiting from a surge of startup money and tech firms that are drawn to the state's academic resources. The challenge for leaders like McRaven is to tap his Washington network to direct the spotlight down south. Defense Department funding accounted for $183.7 million of the University of Texas system's combined $2.7 billion in research expenditures in 2014, the most recent numbers available. Some of the most valuable defense-related technologies began at an academic research lab, said McRaven. The UT system is a wise investment for the DOD. National security-related research includes bioterrorism, military health, border security, shockwave injury, additive manufacturing, prosthetics, biosecurity, brain health, and infection genomics. With more than 217,000 students and 20,000 faculty members, the UT system is the one of the largest public university systems in the nation. 
We have remarkable resources that will help bolster DOD's mission to keep America safe, he added. I look forward to further collaboration with the DOD in the future of an array of projects. McRaven sees UT's influence reaching international scale. That's why we are establishing the UT Network for National Security, a system-wide alliance that will address the most vexing national security problems and raising them to national prominence, he said. This alliance will convene world forums and write, discuss, and debate and present solutions. It will be a network with much stronger ties to leaders and organizations in Washington and across the international community. Today's problems require leadership beyond the Beltway, said McRaven. Our security environment is changing at a rapid rate that's no longer linear. Higher education, with all its resources and intellectual capital, should play a prominent role as the nation seeks to solve complex national security issues, he added. At the University of Texas, we are taking this challenge head-on. There are two global affairs, research, and foreign policy hubs at UT Austin, the Robert S. Strauss Center for International Security and Law and the Clement Center for National Security. Both are collaborating with the U.S. intelligence community on the intelligence side's projects. The Clements Center sponsors a National Security Fellows Program, also in the Intelligence Studies Project. UT San Antonio is home to the Institute for Cybersecurity, which conducts basic and applied research with academia, government, and industry. McRaven points out that the university is one of only 44 institutions in the United States designated as a National Center of Academic Excellence in Information Assurance and Cyber Defense by the National Security Agency and Department of Homeland Security. That's the NSA, folks. Texas also wants to take a lead role in border security, McRaven said. The National Center for Border Security and Immigration at UT El Paso studies areas such as protecting the nation's borders from terrorists and criminals, easing international trade and travel, and understanding the forces that lead foreigners to try to immigrate. McRaven noted that the Galveston National Laboratory at the UT Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas, is the nation's only biosafety level 4 research laboratory on an academic campus. UT Medical Branch hosts the National Biocontainment Training Center, which supports infectious disease scientists who need to work safely in highly containment research laboratories. The UTMB's Center for Biodefense and Emerging Infectious Disease does the work that could see a higher demand as bioterrorism becomes a bigger homeland security threat, says McRaven. Texas is stepping up its outreach to the Defense Department at a time when the military laboratories are looking for an innovation boost and lack the funding to award research contracts to private sector firms. The school is one of the nation's most active in a new Army Research Laboratory program called Open Campus. The Adelphi, Maryland-based lab started the project in 2014 as an experiment to encourage collaboration with visiting researchers. ARL Director Thomas Russell conceived the program soon after he took office and realized there was a chilly relationship between the lab and universities. He challenged us to engage more said Thomas Milkhorn, who works at ARL's 
Technology or ARL's technology technology transfer office. The lab since 2013 has signed more than 200 cooperative research and development agreements with nearly 100 universities. In a single CRADA with the University of Texas, we engaged 16 of their campuses, Mulkin said. They're getting insight and exposing their workforce to new opportunities with us. The UT officials said they are now involved in discussions with Department of Energy Labs in hopes of signing more CRADAs. Department of Energy, for example, in charge of national Stargate programs, as well as various other off-world exotic technologies. I think in that article, it's really all you need to know. But I'll also read this article as well from the same time. And there is scant information. There is very little current information uh, regarding the university and Pentagon relationships in Texas. Very little from 2020 onward. And this is more nebulous, uh, open-ended, not specifically about Texas, but more so about the Pentagon and how they operate with universities connected together, you know, like two hands of the same body. But how it's not only the hard sciences, not only the engineering or the development of weapons or mathematical models of high-level physics, which need our, our, our chemical engineering or biological engineering that need the expertise of academic professionals as well as the private military members um, that work on them or the government military members that work on them or the private contractors that work on them. Everyone needs to help out on these crucial national security issues. I get what you're saying there. But it's also about psychology, sociology, um, understanding the various nuances of culture and art to create propaganda, the infiltration of theater and theatrics at the college level to groom and create double agents within these fields. Journalism, for example, completely taken over by professors on CIA payrolls or deep state government payrolls through Operation Mockingbird, educating and then grooming the talented students of their classes for future government assignment and payroll as professionals within an industry, knowing full well uh, you know, that they are creating uh, puppets, that they are creating not real journalism, but a apparatus of the deep state, a, a literally a tool of the deep state, an instrument of the deep state. As all these professors are doing when they educate their students, they are selecting the best and brightest to fulfill the contractual obligations within the Department of Homeland Security and its various Pentagon-based and federal government-based organizations with professionals for the future, career men for the future, private contractors for the future, and then their future replacements themselves 
to this academic juggernaut that all works as the quote-unquote deep state of academia with the Pentagon and the school, the university. Not just in Texas, but around the world. But, and, and specifically around the United States. For example, in this list, which is published in 2015, as well as the article, University of Texas, Rice University, Texas A&M University, are the only universities listed as openly working with the Pentagon. Compared to California, California lists Chico State, UC Davis, Physics International, UC Berkeley, Lawrence Berkeley, Polymath Research Inc., Stanford, and SLAC National Accelerated Laboratory, Lockheed Missile and Space College, UC Santa Cruz, Schaefer Corporation, UC Mercer, California Polytechnic State University, UC Santa Barbara Caltech, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL, UCLA, General Atomics, and UC San Diego. Compared to Texas, it's three. So this is how, I mean, they want to create Texas into a model of California and are currently doing so. But this is in 2015, and they're talking about the University and Security State. Department of Homeland Security joins the Pentagon and CIA on campus by Michael Gasser. 2015. This isn't specifically about Texas. This is just about the nation. For 20 years of academic life, I worked in cognitive science, the interdisciplinary field that brings together psychology, neuroscience, philosophy, artificial intelligence, and linguistics in the study of the mind. About 10 years ago, several other faculty at my university and I received an email from a colleague, one of the most distinguished cognitive psychologists in the world, asking us if we'd be interested in applying for funding from the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, to establish a center for research on the cognitive science of terrorism. I was shocked at his proposal and replied that I was not interested. I was curious to know why. Uh, he was curious to know why. I told him that the funding from DHS would necessarily come with strings attached. In particular, they would get to define terrorism, presumably in a way that excludes the killing of non-combatants by Americans and their allies. Second, however terrorism is defined, wouldn't it be appropriately studied as a phenomenon with socio-political economic origins rather than as something to be explained in cognitive terms, I asked. My colleague was not impressed. Oh, an idealist. Look, we'll just keep doing our research and the Department of Homeland Security will pay us for it. Fortunately, the response from others at my university was also negative, but that didn't stop groups and other universities from taking that DHS money to establish centers of excellence. There are now 12 of these headquartered at 23 different universities across the U.S. At least seven of these centers focus in part on perceived threats from various enemies, internal and external. They're talking about pre-crime, people. Pre-crime, the ability to predict based on psychological evaluations and behaviors, terrorism, and other criminal activity before it occurs, based on research done at the university level and funded by the Department of Homeland Security. 
getting started. To get a handle on the influence of the Department of Homeland Security and the government's obsession with terrorism on U.S. universities, let's examine two of the centers of excellence based on information on their websites. The National Consortium of the Study of Terrorism and Responses to Terrorism, known as START, was created through an initial $12 million grant from the Department of Homeland Security in 2005 and has been the recipient since then of more funding. START is based at the University of Maryland, but associated with 54, that's 54 partner institutions, mainly in the United States, but also in Israel, Turkey, Singapore, Macedonia, and Britain. START site lists 114 investigators and research affiliates and 125 funded research projects, including those concerned with community-level indicators of radicalization, patterns of radicalization and political activism, guerrilla insurgency, the springboard to terrorism, police responses to terrorism, lessons from the Israeli experience, countering jihadist ideology among detainees, the effects and effectiveness of de-radicalization programs, and intelligence-led policing and counterterrorism. START also has an educational mission. Through START, one can study to stop terrorism, that is, minor in terrorism studies, or receive a graduate certificate in terrorism studies. The more modest National Center for Border Security and Immigration, known as BORDERS, headquartered at the University of Arizona, brings together 14 other universities and three think tanks, including the RAND Corporation. The center has 26 faculty investigators and funds 15 graduate students. Among its extensive research facilities are the Deception Detection Laboratory, created with Army and Air Force funding. The College Ranch Test Range, a 100-square-mile outdoor laboratory in New Mexico for testing border security technologies, and the Unmanned Aircraft Systems Flight Test Center at New Mexico State University. The 29 research projects listed on Borders' website includes one dedicated to automatic truth assessment, biometric identification, localization and tracking of vehicles, cargo, and persons, intelligent monitoring of human interactions, and airborne detection of illegal activity. The Department of Homeland Security also provides scholarships and internships to students pursuing courses of study in areas related to homeland security or interested in careers in homeland security, placing a special focus on minority-serving institutions that is historically black, tribal, and Hispanic-serving colleges and universities. Finally, if we need more evidence for a new Homeland Security academic complex, we have to look no further than last year's appointment of former DHS Secretary Janet Napolitano to head the University of California. The significance of her appointment is summarized up in a statement by UC Student Workers Union. We question the implications for academic freedom that arise from installing a law enforcement official with a background in surveillance, cybersecurity, and border control and a central leadership role in an institution of free expression and learning. This surge in funding and educational programs related to terrorism, surveillance, and border security that began soon after the creation of DHS builds on the long-standing relationship between the military and intelligence communities and the U.S. university system. These other relationships are more familiar and have been the subject of many books. And what follows, I will focus on the developing connections between the military and the intelligence communities since the Cold War ended. The military on campus. Most countries have special purpose institutions of higher education to train military officers. 
The United States has 18 such colleges and universities, including federally funded ones such as West Point, state funded ones such as the Citadel, and private ones such as Norwich University. That distinguishes the United States from all but a few other countries in the presence of the Reserve Officers Training Corps, ROTC, at civilian colleges and universities. Created in 1916, ROTC is probably the most visible sign of U.S. military involvement on non-military colleges and universities, with its uniformed cadets and midshipmen and university credit for courses taught by military officers on military science and leadership. Army, Navy, or Air Force ROTC programs are present today on almost 500 campuses. ROTC suffered a setback in the 1960s when opposition to the Vietnam War resulted in the dropping of the requirements that all male students at universities participate in ROTC and the expulsion of ROTC from several prominent universities. <coughs> Let me read that again. Opposition to the Vietnam War resulted in the dropping of the requirement that all male students at many universities participate in ROTC. But things have been looking up again for ROTC. In 1996, the Solomon Amendment was passed, allowing the federal government to deny funding to universities that exclude ROTC or otherwise prevent the military from recruiting on campus. Although the government has chosen not to invoke the law to challenge influential universities, Rossi has returned to several of these in the last three years, including Harvard, Yale, and Columbia. Behind the scenes, the military is present in many other ways, most prominently in the funding of research, a relationship that goes back with a few gaps to almost 100 years. Military funding for research is administered by at least four agencies, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, known as DARPA, the Office of Naval Research, the ONR, the Army Research Laboratory, the ARL, and the Air Force Office of Scientific Research. It is difficult to get a clear estimate of the dollar amount of military funding for academic research. The 2014 Department of Defense DoD budget allots $12 billion to science and technology, which includes the categories of basic research, applied research, and advanced technology development. Some of the money goes to in-house military laboratories, others to industries and nonprofit organizations such as the RAND Corporation and the Mitter Corporation that are dependent for their very existence on military and intelligence-related research and development tasks. Some is specifically earmarked for academia. However, all four funding agencies allot a portion of their budgets to university programs. The amount totals estimate between $300 million and the 214 budget. This category includes, for example, the Young Investigator Research Program or Young Faculty Awards, made to young faculty and other researchers early in their careers. The goal is to develop the next generation of academic scientists, engineers, and mathematicians in key disciplines who will focus on significant portions of the career on DOD, Department of Defense, and national security issues. A further program, at least with the Office of Naval Research, which supports faculty for 10-week periods during summer or sabbatical leave to participate directly in in-house military laboratories, as with DHS. There is a special effort to involve students and faculty at minority-serving institutions. Within the defense-wide budget, a further university-specific category is the Minerva Initiative. Created in 2008, this is a university-based social science research initiative. 
whose goal is to improve DOD's basic understanding of the social, cultural, behavior, and political forces that shape regions of the world of strategic importance to the United States. Although the Minerva Initiative has attracted more controversy and criticism than most of the Pentagon's funding programs because the target population includes scholars such as anthropologists who have been the most resistant to military funding, there has been no lack of interested researchers from a wide range of disciplines, especially from those who make use of computational model, uh, modeling rather than more traditional social sciences methods. The Minerva Initiative is just one example of how the Pentagon has evolved, not only in the sort of research one might expect from the military, such as elastomeric polymer by design to protect the warfighter against traumatic brain injury, engineering for helmets, or novel approaches to packaged radiation detectors for identifying hidden threats from aircraft, but also research within the social and cognitive sciences, such as human behavior and human bioengineered systems. The Office of Naval Research Division's Human and Bioengineered Systems Division's mission is to direct, plan, foster, and encourage science and technology and cognitive science, computational neuroscience, bioscience, and biomimetic technologies, physiologies, and biophysics immunology, social organizational science training, human factors, and decision-making as related to naval and U.S. military needs. Subcategories include cognitive science of learning, perception and cognitive control, and reasoning about uncertainty. The intended pool of researchers clearly includes psychologists and educational researchers as well as physicists, chemists, biologists, and engineers that we would normally associate with other military research. I'm sorry, that we would not normally associate with military research. And I'll finish with this segment of the article. The intelligence community on campus. The intelligence community, I see, also has a long history and relationship with academia. But because of the secrecy involved and perhaps also the stigma associated with the institute within academia, these relationships have mostly remained hidden from view, at least until recently. When they were exposed in the past, as happened in the 1960s and again in the 1980s, there was an outcry on the campuses involved and in the general public. One such incident in 1984, two political scientists at Rutgers included the department chair Richard Mansbach and using student class projects to gather information for the CIA. Mansbach had maintained close relationships with the CIA throughout his academic career. Beginning in the 1980s, the climate for a CIA presence of one sort or another has become considerably more open. For example, Richard Monsbach's flouting of Rutgers rules in 1984 seems to have had little effect on his academic career. He went on to be the chair of political science at Iowa State University, where he teaches today. A number of other distinguished scholars, including Robert Jervis, found, former president of the American Political Science Association, now openly works as a consultant for the CIA. Note, uh, not content with just working with professors, the 1986 the CIA created a program by which its own officers served as visiting professors for universities for two years while still employed at the agency. Inspired by the State Department's Diplomat-in-Residence program, the Officer-in-Residence program had 
uh, since 2006 posted 100 officers to 51 different institutions, including Harvard, Princeton, Stanford, Dartmouth, USC, Virginia, and my own university, Texas A&M. While the stated mission of the Officers in Residence program is to teach intelligence, informally they play a role in recruiting future CIA employees. Some of the alumni of the program go on to retire from the IC, the intelligence community, and become regular professors at the universities where they serve, but do not sever their contacts. Like DHS and Pentagon, the IC funds students and postdoctoral researchers. There is a wide range of funding for opportunities for students. The largest of these is the Pat Roberts Intelligence Scholars Program, known as PRISP, administered by the CIA, and the National Intelligence Scholars Program, administered by the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, require students supported by the program to work for one or another intelligence agency for a minimum period upon graduation. These programs focus on recruiting students in social sciences and area studies and allow the students to conceal the sources for their funding from the university. In 2000, the government established the Intelligence Community Postdoctoral Research Fellowship Program, administered by the CIA. The program has to date supporting almost 300 postdoctoral researchers, in addition to facilitating research for the long-term needs of the intelligence community. The program aims to establish long-term mentoring relationships with its postdoctoral fellows. In addition to the faculty advisor, each participant is assigned an intelligence community advisor that is a federal senior-level scientist at the intelligence community of their choice. The CIA acquires unlimited rights to the technical data resulting from research under the resulting grants. Fellows are expected to submit papers to the intelligence community's in-house journal, the Journal of Intelligence Community Research and Development. The call for research proposals for 2013 gives an idea of the topics of interest, with 34 topics listed. Many are within physics, chemistry, biology, or engineering, but others include social media, influencing attitudes and behavior, and data mining with cybersecurity, emphasis on building intelligence pictures. Others are concerned with cognition, vulnerability and misinformation, reconstitution of events prior to trauma, cognitive plasticity, improving analyst analysis, uh, improving the ability to reason, remember, and resolve ambiguities. The Military Intelligence Security Academic Complex. This is going to be the final uh, thing I'm going to read. The Pentagon, the 16 intelligence agencies, and the Department of Homeland Security that make up the deep state are the public face of the U.S. empire. It's permanent war, it's massive surveillance, and militarized borders. These agencies are succeeding in a concerted campaign to exert influence on the U.S. university and exploit faculty, students, and postdoctoral researchers in service of their perceived needs. As we have seen, they are doing this in several ways. None of them are truly covert. 
First, they fund the research that is done in universities to an extent perhaps unseen in U.S. history in fields as diverse as political science, physics, anthropology, computer science, and biochemistry. Second, they are training a new generation of researchers to participate in their mission to defend America, but from Americans. They do this by paying for the education of thousands of students and postdoctoral researchers and by placing their own people, retired or currently employed, in universities to teach those students. Although it would be foolish to suggest that somewhere in Washington, a military intelligence security academic complex known as the Mizak Czar was overseeing all the processes, the programs offered by the different agencies are strikingly similar and move in lockstep, suggesting some central leadership. Perhaps the clearest evidence for a complex rather than a series of isolated phenomena, think tanks, research divisions, grants, uh, community building, etc. is the informal revolving door system that recycles uh, members of the military intelligence security networks, the MIS communities, and other communities back and forth, such as Robert Gates moved from director of the CIA to the president of Texas A&M to Secretary of Defense once again. Leon Panetta went from a position in Army Intelligence to the House Representatives to the faculty of several California universities back to the Director of CIA then back to Secretary of Defense. Today, Panetta's Institute for Public Policy serves the entire California State University system in various ways. One can only assume Robert Gates is responsible as well for as much influence of the university system in Texas with the federal deep state, military intelligence, military industrial, Pentagon, Homeland Security, and Department of Defense super organism we know as the USA, deep state. That's it. That's the point I wanted to make. Pentagon controls uh, Texas university systems. Every single one of them, from the UTSA, which is working from cybersecurity NSA to the University of Texas, which is working with uh, Pentagon, uh, as well as Texas A&M University, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're all fronts for the U.S. deep state military system. All of them. All of them. Oh, and by the way, uh, the U.S. government, uh, specifically the U.S. military, um, Specifically the U.S. military, not the federal agencies, not FBI, not CIA, not NSA, etc. Not ATF, DEA, whatever. Not law enforcement, but specifically the Pentagon. Creates for Texas $42 billion a year in uh, employment taxes, by the way. That's how many people are contracted on base, either as private civilian contractors or as military members themselves being paid on base uh, plus the taxes for the bases themselves um, they generate 42 billion dollars of profit for the state of Texas so yes the Pentagon definitely is paying Texas off imagine just how much money the university systems make for the state of Texas and include that in the total bottom line when it comes to the people who, of, who rule Texas making money by serving their masters in the Pentagon, deep state, super system, the super predator known as the USA. 
Thank you very much for listening to Beyond Top Secret Texas. And I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast of the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. Thank you all very much out there in Dreamland. Listeners new and old alike, please like, share, and follow. Send this to your friends. Consider financial supporting. Every penny you send me goes to the podcast and goes to helping me eat, etc. Uh, you know the drill. been working on this for three years. Thank you very much. If this is your first show, please check out the archives. Hundreds of free episodes. Help yourselves. God bless you and your families. Peace out.